to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi there, everybody. Okay, let's get right into it here. A number of different things to bring up. Um, first of all, I want to mention a couple of stories again that are jab related here, just right up right off the top. Um, I, I want to mention a few points from the most recent Five Docs episode two, where Dr. Lee Merritt was talking with Dr. Polevsky. And a lot of great points were brought up throughout, I thought. Um, it was about an hour and a half long, but instead of just playing a bunch of audio clips from it, I just took some notes and, and figured I'd share those with you. Um, again, a lot of great points mentioned, without a doubt. I want to get into this story here. This is rather odd as well. There was a uh, juvenile detention center here in Ohio that apparently released fentanyl through the air vents. And I'm going to read through that. Uh, and it ended up injuring at least seven people, hospitalizing them. So I'll get to that as well. And then uh, just a few words about the current Supreme Court nominee and a couple of other things that are news-related that I think are going along with it, which is really uh, disturbing. And then I just want to read one one page from um, a book I'm reading here by Dr. Yosmir Liu who, of course, I've mentioned numerous times in the past. I've read two of his books already. This is the third one that I just started the other day, and it's titled That Difficult Piece. And it really is good. I mean, I have a hard time putting his books down. Um, I find them that interesting and remarkably relevant to what's going on today. And, of course, these books were written back, uh, you know, in the mid-1900s. So, okay, here we go. First of all, in Louisville, Kentucky, a Dr. Sarah Beth Hartledge has passed away, 36 years old, uh, and triple jabbed. Shouldn't shock anybody at this point, but this particular post says this, and this comes from Getter. So my apologies, I'm not on Getter, will never be, but uh, this is where I got the, the uh, little post from. It says, Dr. Sarah Beth Hartledge, 36 years old, Louisville, Kentucky, doctor and leader of COVID vaccine distribution, has died unexpectedly. Her Twitter feed was full of reposts from top COVID grifters, con artists, and frauds, including Alberta's major COVID huckster, U of A law professor Timothy Caulfield. Uh, she mocked and ridiculed Ivermectin. She posted endless in misinformation on COVID. She minimized vaccine effects on fertility and menstrual cycles and pushed fraudulent unvaxxed hospital numbers. She was 100% a believer in COVID propaganda, lies, and fraud, and she was fully vaccinated and boosted. Sadly, she never woke up. And there you go. Of course, they've probably chalked up her death to COVID complications as we all know, because of the massive word manipulation that's used with regularity. So, again, it's awful nonetheless. And I know that sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, twisting the proverbial knife or dancing on the grave is, is something that a lot of people do. But, you know, um, I try not to take that approach as best I can. It's pretty evident, again, for those of us that are knowledgeable as to what's going on, that when this happens, it comes as no shock to us. It comes as a shock, of course, to the individual until, of course, they pass away and 
have the clarity of their passing uh, on in the next life. They can clearly see what they've done to themselves, as I'm sure we all can. But, uh, you know, this, this kind of thing is just, it's awful nonetheless. But even so, you know, the, the, the very individuals, I mean, they, they apparently have no concept of karma being a thing or just uh, cosmic justice or whatever you want to call it. Just the constantly making fun of the individuals who have chosen to not put drugs into their body, that they are the problem. That is an, I mean, that, that's a complete absence of thought, an individual right that is disturbing within individuals. And again, this is a, an, an alleged doctor of some kind. I don't know if, again, they're a, a medical doctor or if they're an administrative doctor or, or what exactly their specific title was behind their uh, letters before or after their name. But in either case, you know, it's, it's clearly not good. It's just more evidence that those that have not been jabbed are on the right side of things. And, uh, and that's not, you know, th- that's going to continue to be the case as, as time goes forward here. Uh, here's the next thing I wanted to read. This comes from Emerald Robinson's Substack, titled The Right Way. And this particular article from uh, about a day ago is titled, The DOJ is Hiring Tort Lawyers to Defend Health and Human Services from Vaccine Injury Cases. So this is a thing. And this is ramping up, apparently. Uh, It's a rather short article, so I'll give it a read here. It says, quote, the Biden regime's DOJ apparently needs to hire at least four new tort tort lawyers to help with vaccine injury cases against HHS, according to a new job posting on the federal government's official hiring site, USA Jobs. The job posting is only open for a month, so they need them now. I'm wondering whether or not this isn't, I'm going to keep reading, but I'm wondering whether or not this isn't, uh, you know, a little white hat operation to help wake people up because it's, it's clear as day on their website. And as Emerald Robinson points out, here's the actual job description. It says, uh, let's see, oh, the italics are her own writing. So she says, quote, or the job description says, quote, trial attorneys in office of constitutional and specialized tort litigation, vaccine litigation staff represent the interests of the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services in all cases filed in the United States Court of Federal Claims under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, Vaccine Act. The position offers a unique experience in public service and involves trial practice. The legal and medical issues at stake in each case vary. Trial attorneys independently manage heavy caseloads, and while streamlined procedures are utilized, many cases involve complex scientific issues of causation that require employment of experts in medical fields such as pediatrics, neurology, immunology, and epidemiology. In cases in which petitioners are found entitled to compensation, the litigation often requires retention and management of experts to develop an appropriate life care plan for the injured party to include medical treatment, remedial care, rehabilitation, calculation of lost earnings, actuary projections, and structured settlements. It says attorneys appear frequently before the Office of Special Masters in the United States Court of Federal Claims and also appear before the judges of the court as well as the U.S. Court of Appeals 
for the federal circuit when handling appeals. It then says responsibilities include factual and legal research, medical record reviews, brief writing, and working with expert witnesses to develop the defense of claim, defense of claims, as well as to address the life care needs of vaccine injured petitioners. Attorneys also engage regularly in settlement negotiations, including alternative dispute resolution and drafting settlement memoranda and related documents. And then she wrote, due to a recent increase in the, in the cases filed under the Vaccine Act, the office is expanding to address the additional workload. And then she finishes up by saying this. She says, quote, notice that the candidates will, will need top secret security clearances to do their jobs. Now, why would you need a top, uh, top secret clearance to do vaccine injury settlements? My guess, the Biden regime will try to hide the roles of Dr. Fauci and Dr. Barrick and DARPA Moderna and the rest of them at the Pentagon and NIH in creating COVID-19 by designing the obvious truth as classified information. It's all bioweapons research, after all. That's exactly how the U.S. government works, unquote. I agree. I agree. That, that's certainly a serious take. It could be this entire job posting could be here, um, you know, for the sole purpose of burying the truth to simply distract people and say, well, you know, here are some people that uh, have been injured or, or were misled or what have you. And again, they could even be doctors suing. But who's really to know at this point? I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting just going forward. It's it's certainly a unique thing that would pop up on the USA Jobs Board, and that the uh, Health and Human Services is is all of the sudden, you know, one year plus into this bioweapon rollout, they're now looking for attorneys. And again, it could just be a distraction player. It could be legitimate, or it could just be a hey, look over here, we've got the bad guys right where we want them you know, make this a news related thing and then people will, you know, more eyes will be on it and people will start to pay attention that these shots aren't, aren't helping anybody and that they are in fact hurting on purpose. So that could be part of the motive as well. Who's to really know? Uh, okay. A couple of, well, actually three particular posts that I want to read here of varying degrees and severity, but sort of all in the same vein, again, when it comes to the jab. One of the things that, of course, occurs a lot on these anonymous chat boards are, are people sort of spilling their guts as to what they're experiencing, again, whether it be interpersonal conflict with their job or their family, or actually the health effects that, uh, you know, that they personally have suffered as a result. So here's this first one that I want to read, and uh, all three of these come from greatawakening.win, which again, I highly recommend people check that website out on a day-in and day-out basis because it really is a extension of a chat forum and news forum built by uh, anonymous Americans and researchers and XYZ who are getting down to brass tacks and getting down to the truth. But it's an extension from Vote, V-O-A-T, which was an old chat board a number of years back as well that was uh, at the forefront and frankly the absolute tip of the spear as far as I was concerned. Um, I was a poster in, uh, on vote on a regular basis and a, and a reader of vote, and I miss vote. 
I miss Vogue greatly. But uh, greatawakening.win is, is very, very good. So here's a post, and it's titled, Vaccine Addict Gets Sicker Than They've Been in Over Six Years. Can't Seem to Put Two and Two Together. That the constant vaccine mask usage has reduced, and they said ZERS, <laughs> X-E-R apostrophe S's, immune system to rubble. So there, and then of course it's a screenshot from what looks like a, a Reddit post, if I had to take a guess. And it is a Reddit post, which is telling sometimes too. It says, quote, so I'm really sick. It's been coming on since Friday but peaked yesterday with me losing my sense of smell and taste. I've gotten two negative rapid at-home tests, which of course are inaccurate, and purposefully so, and poisonous, I might add, Saturday and yesterday. And no fever or sore throat, but I've got a PCR scheduled for this morning. My God. Uh, along with a visit to urgent care, because I haven't been this sick in probably six-plus years. As I'm effing miserable, I wear a KN95 at work and don't go anywhere outside of the office, but went maskless three meetings this week because of audio issues. I was the speaker at all three, no mask mandates, so I couldn't ask for everyone else to be masked. Stupid, 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 stupid. Okay, so I'm not done reading this, but again, they're testing themselves now into sickness. Yes, they're, they're jabbed. We get that. They're a mask wearer. We get that. They think the masks work. They don't. They think the tests are accurate. They don't. They think that the jabs work. They don't. Um, and yet, they're, they're saying the word stupid four times because they think that the other people in the room who weren't wearing masks weren't wearing masks because there wasn't a mandate in place which again means that they think that the masks do something as a preventative measure. It's, it's just sad. The brainwashing is so sad. Um, they continued and said, quote, even if this isn't COVID, I seriously never want to be sick again. I'm wearing a mask in group settings for the rest of my life. And then it says, ETA, thank you for all the kind words. I went to an urgent care appointment after my PCR test, and they also tested me for COVID and flu. I was positive for flu, exclamation point. I was so surprised, thrown off, but glad to have an answer and be negative for COVID. I did get a flu shot, so hopefully my symptoms aren't too bad, unquote. They're poisoning themselves to death. That's all they're doing. They're poisoning themselves to death. The tests are poison. The shots are poison. The mask wearing is poison. You're inhaling all of your carbon dioxide again. It's poison. The person has no idea that they're poisoning themselves constantly. I got to tell you, I mean, it's heartbreaking. But again, at that, that level of decision-making, as I've brought up previously, that kind of decision-making and that kind of mindset is so dangerous. It's just so dangerous that, that even to be around that person would be putting your life in danger. Again, 
whether they drive too fast or don't wear a seat belt or they wear five seat belts and the car crashes and then they, uh, you know, the car's on fire, but they can't get out of the car because there's five seat belts wrapped around them. I mean, the hypochondria that has risen to the surface here is so alarming. It, it really, really is. Here's another post. Um, again, same, same website. It says, I think I just witnessed Vax AIDS. This is also remarkably sad. It says, quote, I've posted a few things about this in the past month or two. My grandma is going downhill quickly. Uh, healthy as an ox a few months ago. The only thing that has changed is three COVID shots. Well, she felt odd and drove herself to the hospital. She hasn't left various forms of medical care since. I don't know what that means. Um, it then says, needless to say, rapid onset lymphoma. Both kidneys simultaneously failing and stage four gastrocolonal cancer in one of her intestines. I go and visit today pretty much to say goodbye and see her for the first time she has been in and the last time I will most likely see her. She looks like a literal zombie version of her, of her barely recognizable. Skin hanging off of her bones, frail, black and blue all over, sunken eyes. On so much drugs, she can barely function. Room is 90 degrees plus Fahrenheit, and they're barely giving her liquids while she's under blankets. It says, this woman cooked Christmas dinner just fine this year. I don't know. I'm fine. I just didn't really see the zombie version of my grandma. My grandfather had numerous strokes and didn't look half as bad as she did when he went. Don't take the effing vax aids. Unquote. Yeah. This has been going on, ladies and gentlemen, again, for over a year. You know, the immediate reactions. I'll never forget those immediate reaction videos that were all over BitChute on a regular basis and the nurses with the neurological damage. And again, on the Five Docs program on the Critically Thinking channel on, on Rumble, Dr. Merritt and Dr. Pilevsky bring it up specifically yet again, and they're 100% right. You know, we have first responders and military that have taken these shots. Not so in some other countries. In some other countries, it was not mandatory. It was not mandated. They insisted that their militaries not take it. Excuse me. And then, of course, there were other countries that were insisting that everybody take it. And yes, the closer you are, the more vulnerable you are to, quote unquote, COVID-19. Make sure that you uh, receive your vaccination. I'm, I'm going to get into that in, in just a minute. But here's the last, uh, here's the last post from Great Awakening. And, and this, again, is, I think, indicative of what's going on in a lot of families, in particular when you have some that are awake and some that know what's going on, and then you have others that, that do not. Uh, this one is titled, I Snapped Last Night, I'm Sad to Say. This individual says, quote, Months ago, when the whole jab thing started, my mother and father-in-law were determined to get it because TV told them so. I advised them not to, and that they were going to damage themselves multiple times. I even told them about how I ended, ended paralyzed for a month as a kid when I received vaccine back then. Nothing. They went and did it. 
three times. So after that, I basically told them I don't want to talk about it anymore. Now my father-in-law, months later, as expected, got a serious pneumonia, lost the ability to walk or even sit in bed, lost control of his bowel movements and ability to talk. So we are taking care of him the best we could, trying not to lose our minds in the process. Showing up with a smile, trying to make their life easier, paying for bills, paying for medication, paying for diapers and food, clipping his toenails, cutting off his hair, and beard and changing diapers. So on top of all of that, wife and I were politely asked last night to respect my brother-in-law more since he feels that a lot is depending on him, quote unquote. Same brother-in-law who was organizing excursions with the rest of the family to go for a group testing to see what might be wrong with them. The same guy who cannot lift a bed mattress without having two people help him. While wife and I are the ones carrying his immobilized father around. Same guys who can buy both wife and me with his salary, but is paying way less for their bad decisions. And the first thing he came to us with was, quote, how are we going to divide the expenses, unquote. He then said, so I snapped and I yelled my lungs off. So my brother-in-law, hypochondriac ass, was insisting on them getting jabbed. They did it. And we were stoically dealing with the damage made because there are four because they are our parents. And I am accused that I am not respecting him enough because by not being knowledgeable in the ins and outs of hospitals and doctors and procedures and not getting the ideas first about where to drag the patient next. I'm not proud of myself, my friends. I did not have a I told you so moment at any point there. But I think that even the neighbors in the next building heard about the boundaries that they will never be allowed to effing cross with me. And then he says in the last line, the messed messed up thing is that I feel like a piece of shit now for allowing myself to go full dark mode, unquote. I have to tell you, this person, of course, is not alone. This has been going on in a number of different families. Uh, A.J. Gochik, as I've mentioned in the past, he's had family members, I believe, uh, become sick, certainly friends, become sick and even die. And some of them, again, were strong advocates for it and encouraging their entire families to go out and get these shots. You know, this is the part of all of this that the, the real cognitive dissonance is is occurring with the individuals that were encouraging people to do this, and now they're seeing the ill effects among their friends and family, and they still can't see it. They still can't see nor remember that it was they who were encouraging people to do this, um, and that, you know, they sort of bear, they certainly bear some of that responsibility. In particular, I, I might add, among the younger generation toward the older generation. I mean, I too know of a number of individuals, one in particular who's, uh, who just came to mind, a, you know, a former school board member in the town where I live. She was remarkably sick, coughing up a lung constantly, wearing a mask all the time, taking the mask off to drink some water, and then put the mask back on only to cough more. Apparently, her daughter is, a, is a, either a nurse or a doctor in a hospital in the Cincinnati area. 
And again, very publicly, she would bring this up in school board meetings and she would say, well, my daughter just says it's terrible and the patients that she's seeing are just, there are just so many of them and I think we just need to do our best and people can do what they want, but I encourage people to get the shots and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, this is an older woman. This is an older woman who, again, has received the shots herself and does not know that she is ill, if not dying, as a result now. So, again, you know, even when their family members are in the quote-unquote medical profession, they are, instead of thinking for themselves as individuals, they're just hinging their entire life on the, on the word of a family member when it comes to injecting themselves. Which again, as I've written about and stated before, I might add, the people that have taken these can't name a single ingredient. Not one. That, that matters. I mean, that's a basic quiz game. You know, pop quiz everybody for all you jabbed. What exactly did you inject yourselves with? The first thing that they'll say is messenger RNA. If they even say that, they'll say messenger RNA. And it, and it repairs it repairs cells and it repairs my DNA and it keeps me from whatever. And then that's all that that's it. They don't even know what messenger RNA is, let alone that it's never been injected into a human body ever before ever. So again, you know, I, I feel I, I really do feel bad for these people. I want to make that abundantly clear. Um. I, I, I don't know how much sympathy I have for the people that are making fun of the unjabbed. The people that are going, whatever, you're unjabbed. You know, well, now you're going to die and you're killing other people because you're unjabbed. You know, I don't, I don't have any sympathy for that. But at the exact same time, we have to recognize on the spectrum of the matrix and the spectrum of the brainwashing that's taken place throughout our whole lives. Those individuals are on the opposite end. I mean, they're all in the, you know we're all in the same boat to some extent. Not not all of us, of course. I mean, you know, I, I'm not trying to group us all together in that way. But some of us broke free from the matrix, and clearly, some of us went in the exact opposite direction toward the you know toward the uh, three jabs, got a mask all the time, or you know, got the jabs because I don't want to wear a mask, those people, and, you know, a thousand other explanations. But, my God, you know, the best thing that you can own in your home is a sledgehammer so that you can put it right through your television and stop watching it. Again, I, I did my, um, my weekly uh, five-second experiment with Fox News. It, it took five seconds, and I, I turned on um, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Brett Baer's special report, because I wanted to see, again, right at the top, if there was anything about Hunter Biden's laptop, which, of course, for those of us, again, who know what's going on, that's old news. That's 2020 news. I was looking at those pictures and listening to that audio and and being the investigator so to speak that I that I try to be on on some of these issues but that that was from 2020 here we are 2022 and all of a sudden it's it's back up again not a peep from old fox news not a peep from brett bears or brett <laughs> brett bears brett bear not a single peep top of the hour his show apparently not a peep 
which means what else aren't they talking about? They're not talking about ivermectin, are they? They're not talking about cures for anything, are they? They're not talking about any therapeutics, and they haven't been, and they won't, because they are the enemy. They're just the enemy. It really is that simple. So, uh, just to wrap up some of the jab stuff here, I want to go through, again, just a few notes from the Critically Thinking channel and, and the five docs where Dr. Merritt was on with Dr. Pilevsky. Um, they, they both agreed. Well, first of all, I'll mention this. Excuse me. is is rather interesting, I thought. The more and more stories that they tell, the more personal stories that they tell of people that they observe and and the things that they experience and the hand sanitizing that that people try to get them to do and whatever else, you know, wherever wherever they are when it's taking place. All of these stories are proving virology to be a lie. Every single story that's brought up, again, whether it be, you know, the spit droplets, the six feet of distancing, all of that made up garbage, which again, they all said is just completely made up. All of it was just made up out of thin air. I mean, it's a satanic ritual. I've been over that. That's why it's six feet, six feet, six feet, six, six, six. It has nothing to do with viruses actually existing, let alone traveling in spit or mouth particles or water droplets or whatever, and then traveling through the air and then somehow making its way into your body. It doesn't work that way. Poison exists outside of the body. And the only way that you put poison in your body is you breathe it in, you orally ingest it, or you inject it directly into your bloodstream. Or of course, you rub it into your skin in some, in some vigorous fashion. That's it. So one of the interesting things is, is that in these stories, and, and I, I know that Dr. Merritt is really at the forefront. Um, of a lot of things. And again, I mentioned this last summer when I came back from the second annual White Coat Summit with America's frontline doctors. It was evident to me that Dr. Merritt was ahead of the curve, not just on the medical aspect of all of this, but the geopolitical aspect of all of this, the chemtrail aspect of all of this, the nanoparticles and graphene oxide and all of it. It really is her and, um, I mean, it's it's becoming all of them, of course, but her and Dr. Madej, same thing, very ahead of the curve. And 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 they're continuously catching up, and, and I'm glad that they're continuing to do what they're doing because they're keeping people informed. Again, we, we cannot rely on television, any, any human on TV to actually tell anybody the truth. We, we have to find it. And again, that's just one of the many things that I try to do here on this podcast is just watch a variety of different things, take notes, bring in some audio clips from time to time if I can, and then share them with you. Because again, I, I know that not everybody has the time and the day to, to do the particular things that I'm doing right now. And if I can, again, help in that process, um, all the better. So they continued to bring up... Um, how, and this is huge, that they have no doubt in their minds, nor do I, and I agree with them, that they are, and by they I mean the medical industry for the most part, is continuously working to make these 
bioweapon shots available to infants right out of the womb. Uh, They would have to release the emergency use authorization. One of these shots would ultimately have to be FDA approved. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if it receives full FDA approval, it won't just be infants that receive them. It will be K-12 schools and universities that require them. The moment that that domino falls, other dominoes will fall. And that's not good, clearly. Uh, yeah, so they both, they both were in agreement on that. Uh, let's see. I mentioned that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they also mentioned, of course, the military aspect of all of this and the first responders, as I briefly said earlier. You know, they, they consistently brought that up, that those are the individuals throughout this entire time that were some of the first to blindly take these shots and blindly just, again, walk right into this without really thinking. Because, again, that line of work can brainwash individuals into believing that whatever say go, you know whatever they all say goes and whatever their administrators tell them they have to do and well it was in a memo and an email from higher up so we have to do this uh you know i've uh, i don't i really don't know what to say it's uh it's a it's a it's a personal characteristic of an individual who either is susceptible to peer pressure or a person who is not susceptible to peer pressure, regardless of what the consequences may or may not be. Again, job loss, getting kicked out of a of an institution, a school, whatever it may be. You know, the the people that have pushed back their entire life and had the characteristic within themselves to not just fall for things blindly, those are the people that are probably Again, the vast majority, I would, I would assume, are still walking around unjabbed and not regretting it every single day that passes. So they mentioned again the, the national security aspect of what's going to happen now with all of these first responders who have taken these shots and the alleged life expectancy that has been predicted among individuals who, who show AIDS-like symptoms as a result of, again, um, having vaccine-induced AIDS. So there is that. Uh, They also mentioned this, which is very relevant, and it sort of leads into something I'm going to mention a little bit later regarding the current Supreme Court nominee, but they, they talked about the behavioral aspect of minors, in particular boys. And the business of pacifying the brain with electronics and video games and iPads and computers and all of this. It can, it can seriously create uh, detri- de- detrimental, I should say, frontal lobe development, which is where we house our cognitive ability, our critical thinking, you name it, decision making, whatever. If all of that is pacified in youth, what kind of a what kind of an adult is going to be created, assuming that they are old and you know that they reach adult age, that they survive long enough to become an actual adult? That's uh, that's abs- it's awful. It's just awful, and and it does not help that 
these kinds of behaviors have been really ramping up heavily, I might add, since the early 2000s in American schools and K-12 schools. Too much game playing, not enough thinking. Too much um, staring at screens and not enough building of things. You know, you, you, in order to build something, you have to be now associated with some group or some club that is not actually during school time. So while I've harped hard on, uh, you know, on the presence of clubs and, and, and outside of school groups and things of that nature, it's, it's highly possible that in some of those clubs and groups, of course, not, you know, not the, the Satan groups that exists uh, in some K-12 schools around the nation, come on down to your, you know, local Satan club for kids, uh, after school Satan club and all that other nonsense. And of course, drag, drag, uh, drag queen story time and all that garbage. But it could be, again, that an old design or an old revisiting of those old clubs and old groups where, where again, you, you teach children real skills, real things that they need to know. I mean, look, you know, look, what they, look what's happened with Boy Scouts, for God's sakes, over the course of, of the last few decades. It's become so perverse that it's practically non-existent, if it even exists. I don't even know if it exists anymore. It's just been infiltrated with pedophilia to such an extent that um, it's, it's, you know, it's a joke now. It's just a complete joke. So they just mentioned that a lot in, in that particular episode, and they were bringing that up specifically around a, a story that Dr. Polevsky brought up where he, he mentioned one of his friends who is uh, a woman who is married to a woman, and then the two of them have two adopted children. One is a male, one is a female, but they're not allowing the male to play with trucks, and they're not allowing the male to do other stereotypical male things. And, but, but in the exact same breath, they claimed that uh, the, these two adopted parents, allegedly, claimed that they were raising their children in a gender-neutral gender home, when clearly that's not the case. They're raising them in a brainwashed family that is simply trying to use children to exercise their own neuroses within themselves and then abuse that child in the process while making themselves feel better. Um, child abusers deserve no quarter, in my opinion. I don't care what degree it is. I don't care where they fall on the spectrum. Child abusers deserve no quarter. So it's a heart, you know, it was a heartbreaking story that they brought up. But again, it just mentioned the importance of getting outside, doing things outside, out in nature, um, building things, going for hikes, going for walks, learning about Earth and our surroundings instead of sitting on our rumps doing nothing and, uh, and, and staring at screens. It's remarkably unproductive. It, it pacifies the brain. It just turns, you know, it turns uh, in particular, you know, a child's brain, but anybody, frankly, it just turns it into mashed potatoes. Just turns your, your, your brain into a bowl of mashed potatoes. And um, 
It makes them unmotivated, which was the larger argument that he brought up. It makes them, it, it makes in particular boys less masculine because they aren't getting hurt physically and then learning how to heal, you know, hitting their, hitting their thumb with a hammer because they were building something and then learning that that's part of the process that, you know, you're, you're going to get a splinter. You're going to, you're going to hurt yourself in the process of building something because that's what, that's what you do, but they just play it safe or they just don't do things because again, they just, this malaise just takes over them. So yeah. Uh, Those were just some of the takeaways I took from the Critically Thinking episode. Uh, My understanding is next week's episode is going to be all five docs meeting together again. And again, I I watch their episodes because I find them fascinating. They they come from five different areas um, of, of medicine, so to speak. And then, of course, they live in separate areas across the United States. And then they meet up on these Zoom calls and and they discuss their different backgrounds and and what they've currently experienced and certain stories that they've heard and things you know that that have gone on and I don't know I I it was ahead of the curve a year ago I still think it is now if it wasn't believe me I would be the first to tell you but uh it's evident that they are continuously learning perhaps some more than others but they're continuously learning and then and then doing their best to bring that information to us and I'm grateful for that okay Here's the fentanyl story from Ohio, Juvenile Detention Center. This comes from the Blaze. I'm not, you know, I don't agree with the Blaze on a lot of their stuff, but whatever. It's an interesting story nonetheless, and this is uh, a local matter here for for me because, well, I live here. So it says the following, quote, the title says, Fentanyl pumped through air vents at Juvenile Detention Center, hospitalizing at least seven people, including children. It says at least seven people, including children, blah, blah, blah. I just said that uh, at a detention center in Stryker, Ohio. The incident took place at the Northeast Ohio Juvenile Detention Training and Rehabilitation Center around 8.30 p.m. What are the details? It says first responders from the Williams County Sheriff's Department, as well as those from the Stryker Police Department and Bryan Fire Department, responded to a call from the center that That evening, reporting that multiple people, including juveniles, were falling unconscious for unknown reasons. Authorities conducted an investigation into the facility and found that fentanyl had been released into the air vents. Of the the seven people hospitalized, four were juvenile residents and three were wardens. Williams County Sheriff's Department Chief Deputy Jeff Lehman told WTVGTV that the victims are in stable condition and are expected to recover. The Daily Mail reported that the facility primarily houses juveniles awaiting trial and has a capacity to hold 64 juveniles. It then says the rest of the facility's juvenile residents were transferred to a nearby facility where authorities continued their investigation into the disturbing incident. They will be housed in the neighboring correction center of the Northwest Ohio and Adult Facility and will be kept isolated until it is safe to return to the juvenile detention center. Authorities did not say how the deadly opioid wound up in the facility's ventilation system. Well, you'd better find that out, don't you think? Uh, It then says, fentanyl, a synthetic opioid, can be up to 100 times stronger than morphine and 50 times stronger than heroin. 
According to a recent report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, you know, those uh, reliable people, 105,752 Americans died from drug overdoses in the 12 months leading up to October 2021. The health organization reported that at least two-thirds of those deaths were linked to exposure to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Well, I bet they were for other reasons too, but there you go. If fentanyl again is being snuck into marijuana, cocaine, and other drugs, which we know it is, all the more reason, of course, to stay away. But uh, there's only one way I know, ladies and gentlemen, that it would make its way into a ventilation system. And I'm pretty sure that you know how it got there, too. These things don't just happen. Uh, Fentanyl didn't just magically make its way into the air vents. Someone put it there. Someone was trying to poison people, etc., etc. So we'll see if there's a follow-up to that story later on. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can't look into that a little bit later and see what it produces. Maybe nothing, but time will tell. Okay, switching gears here slightly, uh, in, in lockstep fashion, it, it needs to be brought up again that the current Supreme Court nominee, who is now doing their best to, again, speak to their law career and testify to this, that, and the other in previous decisions that they've made, either as a defense lawyer or what have you, that... Uh, one of the interesting things that's come up regarding Miss Jackson's previous legal tenure, I'll say, has to do with the rulings given around her leniency regarding sexual predators and convicted sexual predators or individuals who are in possession of child pornography. I'm going to play for you her defense to some of that right now. So give this a lesson real quick. As you said, the guideline was based originally on uh, a statutory scheme and on directives, specific directives by Congress at a time in which more serious child pornography offenders were identified based on the volume, based on the number of photographs that they received in the mail. And that made totally total sense. Before, when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have distribution, but the way that the guideline is now structured, based on that set of circumstances, is leading to extreme disparities in the system because it's so easy for people to get volumes of this kind of material now by computers. So it's not doing the work of differentiating who is a more serious offender in the way that it used to. So the commission has taken that into account and and perhaps even more importantly, courts are adjusting their sentences in order to account for the changed circumstances. But it says nothing about the court's view of the seriousness of this offense. Okay. So for me, again, not a lawyer, like to play one sometimes on TV just for fun, but I've watched all of these hearings almost in their entirety dating back to Neil Gorsuch. I watched his entire uh his entire judiciary committee hearing in its entirety. I, I watched Kavanaugh's as well. I watched Amy Coney Barrett's in its entirety. I'm not watching hers in its entirety, 
I'm I'm catching pieces and parts. There's as you would expect in a lot of these, in particular when when someone's back is against a wall, so to speak, on on previous decisions that have been made. There's a just this overarching blaming of the system. Well, it's the the system is to blame, or new technologies that are catching new people are to blame, and you know that that's created a massive influx. She calls them disparities. Keep in mind, only a leftist uses the word disparity. You know, if if you if in the past, ladies and gentlemen, you caught ten sexual predators in or around a town. Back then, that would probably be, I don't know, considered a lot, depending on the population of that, of that town. But just because there are new technologies that are, that are basically honey traps for these kinds of predators does not mean that you give more lenient sentences to those individuals who get caught because there are more of them getting caught. Quite the opposite. If if the internet has done anything, it's shined a massive light on predators and predatory behavior because it's given them a playground where they can do what they want to do. I mean, on a constant basis, you have federal authorities trying to ensnare or entrap or whatever all kinds of people in online environments for having discussions with minors or taking pictures or sending pictures or whatever it may be, just because there are different methods even in catching these people and you happen to catch them does not mean that you don't sentence them to the fullest extent of the law because your quote-unquote jail is filling up with people or you're, you're seeing more of those individuals getting caught because of those increased, uh, you know, increases in methods. I, I think that's the whole point. The law is the law. There are endless laws that exist and sentencing laws that exist for sexual predators. And here's the connection that I want to make also politically as well, because one of the things that again happens in all of this, which is really interesting, I think, is anytime this subject comes to the forefront, whether it be again in Washington, D.C., or elsewhere, it also ends up coming up through the business aspect of what goes on in America. And ladies and gentlemen, one of the largest, even from its very inception, if you've ever looked up the history of Walt Disney, the man was a pedophile and an alcoholic. So this particular story, which again, I'm just, it's very long. I'm just going to read sort of uh, the, the bullet points here, but it comes from the Daily Mail. And it's titled, Disney to Produce More Gay Content for Kids After Staff Backlash Over Company's Silence Over Don't Say Gay Bill. CEO Bob Chapik attempts to avert staff walkout but faces criticism from parents. So, a couple of things. I could, I could go on for days about Disney. If you've never read the book and it's free, you can... I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's a life-changing book. It's free on PDF on the internet. In fact, the FBI and even CIA uh, put the book out on their website and Twitter accounts a couple of years back, and the internet just exploded with people going, are you serious? They actually, they actually tweeted out this book. 
It's written by Fritz Springmeier, and it's Bloodlines of the Illuminati. That's the name of the book, Bloodlines of the Illuminati. I believe the last 40 pages are all about Disney. You have to read this book. I've read every word. It is terrifying. It's terrifying. And there's no way. He's an investigative reporter, by the way, Fritz Springmeier, very well known back in the day. Um, it's, it's incredible. And again, horrific. But the last 40 pages are roughly all about Disney, its inception, its history, the, the family origin, what, what they've done there, what they do, all of it. Um, but here are the bullet points from the Daily Mail article. It says, Chappick, the CEO of Disney, told employees during a virtual town hall that he regretted not taking a public stance against Florida's co uh, controversial Don't Say Gay Bill. That's not what it's called, by the way. It's a Parental Rights Act bill. Uh, he, it then says, employees are still planning a walkout Tuesday against Disney's slow response. Yesterday, uh, it says, the Florida bill bans the teaching of lessons on sexuality, gender identity, and sexual orientation in a manner that is not age-appropriate. Good. It then says, on Monday, Chappick announced plans to create a task force in charge of making sure that more LGBT awareness content is available for children. A kiss between two women that was cut from an upcoming Toy Story spinoff has now been reinstated, and parents have taken to social media to criticize the company's woke pandering. Ladies and gentlemen, Disney has allegedly been trafficking children since its inception. They've been brainwashing children, and we all know the Disney logo. That signature, okay, that's not Walt Disney's signature. Again, Walt Disney. Uh, was a monster, but the signature was created by Satanists. There are six. There, there are three sixes in the Disney signature. The D is a backward six. The dotted I in the next letter is a six. You can clearly see it. And the Y at the end of Disney, which doesn't even look like a Y, it looks like a six. So keep that in mind. Symbolism is something that these, uh, these individuals have always flaunted. They've flaunted it in front of our faces, and it's designed, again, to brainwash and get people to support, you name it, uh, you know, whatever, whatever hidden cause they, they want people to support or public cause they want people to support. My point is, is that it's not an accident that, that, that business society, politics, that all of that is just woven together with such a fine thread. But it's but it's it's just crystal clear. At least again for those of us that are that are awake and can see these connections. So I don't know. In that incoherent rambling that I just engaged in, I, I hope you picked up on something at least. Uh here's the last thing I want to do. I want to read now from a book titled That Difficult Piece. And I just want to read the very second page of this because it's beyond relevant. So again, this comes from Dr. Yos Mirlu, and uh, ask yourself whether or not this sounds relevant even today. It says, quote, preparedness for peace is a spiritual challenge. People can hide their heads in the sand. They can hide behind useless Maginot lines with fortresses and fleets that protect them only from facing the real problems of the world emanating from the inner problems of man. This is the challenge of our time. 
Every war is a dramatization of man's inner war, the externalization of his inner conflicts. Man feels temporarily relieved of tensions when there is outside trouble in the world. He can postpone finding a solution to his own conflicts as long as the outside world offers him a more stirring emotional drama in which he can play a role. Yet it is very expensive production that man stages in order to periodically to relax his tensions. It is as if the world needed the great excitement and insanity of war in order to relieve itself temporarily of personal madness. Statistical figures show that during war, the number of neuropsychosis decreases. Man pays for this latter with new fears and feelings of insecurity. After the war, his neuroses breaks out in greater frequency. He only postpones his neuroses in order to experience more immediately the drama of war. Modern psychology teaches us that other ways besides war exist of revealing man's inner tensions and aggressions. But the first step is to face these problems, to recognize them for what they are, and to be aware of man's urge for self-destruction revealing itself in the ritualized convulsions of war. Unquote. You know, I've read so much of Dr. Mirlu's work in his books now that it it could be that i'm even you know that he's uh he's repeating himself with regularity and and if so that's fine with me i i i really enjoy his writing he's clearly thinking very hard as he's writing and uh again the, the just the relevance of what's going on today with what he wrote so long ago is beyond evident to me and I hope that, you know, as I continue to read even from this book and in future episodes, that, that people continue to sort of see those connections. Um, there is one last thing I'd like to do. I just received this very nice call from an individual who offered a prayer over Give, Send, Go, and, uh, and they called my phone and it went to voice message, but I, I listened to the voice message and I thought, this was fantastic. And uh, I'm just going to play the voice message, so give this a listen. Hi, my name's Laura, and I'm on a prayer team of Give, Send, Go. I noticed your campaign, Stacey and Damien from Canada, and Sean, I just wanted to call and pray for them. So, Lord, I just lift up Stacey and um, Damien. Lord, I just ask for your help. Lord, I ask for them to be able to get back into the work, work, working world without having to worry about being vaccinated. I do ask for the, their finances to improve and um, just thank you, Lord, that that the option of moving was did not have to happen. Lord, I just pray you would be a blessing to them, Lord, in such a way that they would know that it's you and um, that, that you intervened in their life for their good. And I ask for your blessings on Sean and his podcast and um, will you bless him and his, all the works of his hands, I pray. And I ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Sean. I hope you're having a good day. God bless you. Great people over at Give, Send, Go. So thank you, Laura, for that phone call. I really do appreciate it. And again, uh, the Give, Send, Go campaign is has ended for Stacy and Damien. The money that was raised was approximately $500, and they received the check last week and texted me when they got it and said thanks. It was a big, big help with some bills and other things that that needed paying, and there you go. So hopefully in the future we can get them back on too and, and discuss some of the things that were going on there and 
Uh, of course, they always have a home here on the podcast. They're welcome to welcome to come here anytime. And of course, give us the Canadian update because we we need that as well. Just because it's not being talked about in the news or it's on the old TV doesn't mean stuff isn't happening there. It most certainly is. So, ladies and gentlemen, with all of that said, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.